Welcome to Infused Church Online. My name is Taylor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Infused Church. Have you ever met or heard of a Christian who says they believe in God, but they don't live like he actually exists? As we kick off the series today, Five Ways to Grow Your Faith, I'll share with you part of the reason why that is and how that can help you to grow your faith, especially as we continue this series over the next five weeks. I'm so glad you're here. So to set up uh, for today's series, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about things that Christians um, do, actually really throughout the whole series, or at least Christians should do. Um, and I think uh, if you consider yourself a Christian, um, today will be uh, helpful for you, though fair warning, it could also be a tad bit uncomfortable, uh, a little bit um, uh, testing, I suppose you could say. You might find yourself questioning yourself and, and maybe even your faith a little bit today, and I don't want you to um, be tempted to kind of just tune out because it gets uncomfortable. I hope that you will lean in to that um, and have some just inner honest dialogue because I believe you will be better for, you, for it, and it'll help uh, set us up for the remainder of this series the next five weeks as we cover the five ways to grow your faith. Now, what's interesting, I think, um, is if you're not a Christian, you don't consider yourself um, a, a believer or somewhere in there, um, you may think to yourself, boy, I'm joining in a series called Five Ways to Grow Your Faith, and I'm not even sure what I believe. And you would assume that this could be an uncomfortable series for you. But I think at least for today, this could be really helpful for you. In fact, you may sit there and say, now I understand, at least in part, why Christians can be so frustrating to me. Why I even maybe, in part, left the church, at least some of the underlying reasons. Or why sometimes Christians kind of fit stereotypes that generally are not exceptionally positive. Especially if you have ever, and honestly, Christians, you may find yourself kind of nodding along to this one. If ever you've thought to yourself, looking at another Christian or someone that says that they believe, and you've sat there and you've kind of thought to yourself or said out loud to a friend or internally just said out loud, how can, looking at this Christian, how can you say you believe in God while living like he doesn't exist. Ever found yourself thinking that before? How can you say you believe in God, but I know for a fact because I can see you and I see what you do and I hear what you say, you live like he doesn't actually exist. Or a word that sometimes is used to describe this is kind of like a hypocrite. Right? I'm pretty sure, even if you don't know much about Christianity, you, know, you think to yourself, I'm pretty sure that you're supposed to be generous people but I see how you spend your money. And I wouldn't describe that ex as exceptionally generous. And you prioritize your spending in different ways because I see what you drive and what you buy, etc. I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be a loving people, you Christians, but I think you're kind of grumpy. I think you're supposed to do right by other people um, and you're supposed to care for other people, but I only see you kind of worrying about yourself and how you look and how you come off to other people. And it just makes me feel like you live as though God that you believe in doesn't exist. And some of you have even seen Christians um, that, or maybe even felt a little bit, honestly, yourself, like, I believe that God exists, but nothing's really changed. Nothing's really happened. I thought something would happen when I believed that God exists, but nothing is different. In fact, you could even say that you don't live differently necessarily than anybody else. And not that living differently defines Christianity, but perhaps that is kind of an output or a, a byproduct or a result 
of deciding that God exists. You'd think at least that if a God exists, you'd kind of live differently. So how can you say you believe in God while living like he doesn't exist? Now, I want to suggest to you, and you may not agree with this message, and and that's okay, but I at least believe that part of the reason that there is a disconnect with moments like these or moments between what Christians say and what Christians do and all that stuff, part of that has to do with the difference between the word believe and the word faith. The difference between the word believe and the word faith. Because many Christians would say, yeah, I, I have faith. I have faith. But then they live differently and you kind of, okay, well, why? Or I've always believed, but you look at their behavior and you say, but nothing's really changed. Now, I don't want to get too technical, but at least in English, there actually is a difference between believing something and having faith in something. Now, we tend to, especially in Christian circles, kind of use these interchangeably. And if you want to get really technical and you say, well, and especially if you know your Bible, you say, well, you know, the apostle John, the gospel writer of, of John, John, said all the time you should believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whomever believes in him, and so aren't we supposed to kind of just believe? And so we tend to use, at least in English, these words interchangeably. But if you look at the Greek, and some of you know this, that the, the New Testament is written in ancient Greek, these two words are a lot, lot closer than they are in English. A lot closer. In fact, this is like faith times two. It's even more intense. So when John uses the word believe, it carries a lot more weight than we maybe would necessarily give it. So I am at least going to approach today's message as if we're talking in terms of English. And I hope by the end of this, you will have a better appreciation for the difference between these two words because it will help you understand faith, maybe your faith, maybe the faith of others, a little bit better. And so I'll try to use a number of analogies to kind of tease out this difference for you. So to begin, I want you to think about the difference between faith and belief as in this. Or I'll ask you a question, then you kind of just internally answer. You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that, okay? Do you believe in the U.S. government? You don't have to raise your hand, just like internally. Do you believe in the U.S. government? And most of you probably say, yeah, there is a government, and it's the government of the United States, the federal government. Yeah, I get that. Follow-up question. Do you have faith in the U.S. government? Maybe not quite the same answer. Maybe it's a more like, ah. Right? Do you have faith that the government is going to follow through on what they say? Do what they're supposed to do. And be there when you need them as their citizens to be there for you. Would you say you have faith? You may say, I believe that they're there. I believe that they should. But I'm not sure I would say I have faith that they will. Maybe, maybe you have a friend. And you would say about this friend, in fact, you probably said to a neighbor or coworker, you said about this person, you said, I believe they have good intentions, but I wouldn't put my faith in them. I wouldn't put my faith in that they're actually going to follow through. What's the difference? What's the difference between a Christian who says, I believe in God, I believe in God, but I live like everybody else lives. And there's nothing really different about me. Why? Why is there that difference? The answer, I think, comes from uh, the letter 
to the Hebrews. Um, the, there was an author. We actually don't even know who wrote this letter. It's called the book of Hebrews, if you're in your New Testament. But essentially, it's just a letter that somebody wrote to a group of Jewish Christians. So essentially, there were Jewish people who decided that Jesus was the Messiah, was their Savior. So they're Jewish Christians living 2,000 years ago. All right, And this author wrote to them uh, probably in Jerusalem. They lived in Jerusalem. And in this letter um, that was so valuable to the church in Jerusalem, they saved it and they copied it and copied it and copied it. And it became part of our New Testament. And um, he or she talks about the difference between this. In fact, really jumps into what faith is. And maybe you're familiar with this section of Hebrews because in this section, the word faith is mentioned over 35 times. And the author says this, in, in, starting in, in verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith, faith not belief, faith is confidence. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. And it's assurance about what we do not see. See, in faith... There's a kind of confidence that doesn't come when we think the word English, in English at least, believe. There's an assurance that comes with faith that doesn't come in the English version of believe. And the kind of the difference is, I'll make it really simple for you. I'll just swap the words out. The confidence and assurance, we'll switch it for trust. Faith is trusting in what we hope for and trusting in what we do not see. See, the difference between believe and faith is an amount of trust. It's an amount of trust. More trust is required in faith than it is in believe. I'll give you an example. See, I believe, this is my belief, is that all people are created equal. In fact, as a Christian, I would believe all people have inerrant value given to them by God. I believe that they are a son and daughter of God. That is my Christian belief. But that doesn't mean I'm going to trust them. Okay? They have value, but it doesn't mean I'm going to trust them, that I'm going to put my faith in them all the time. So you can even believe that God exists, but not trust him. Not put your faith in him. I think most people, especially in my life and my journey as an agnostic, I would say that there was a time that really a more accurate way of describing who I was is that I believed that there was a God. I just didn't trust in who he was. Especially I didn't trust that he was a Christian, or at least what the Christians thought of him as God. There's a difference between belief and faith. And you know this because trust matters. See, the more you trust, the more trust you give something or someone, more importantly, someone the greater impact it has on your life, doesn't it? Because if you trust someone explicitly, you will make different decisions. You will invest your time and your money differently into things you trust versus things that you don't. And it will have a greater impact on you. I mean, imagine trying to have a relationship, a healthy relationship, with no trust. Imagine having a marriage with no trust. See, there are marriages, and maybe you know some marriages, okay, that the couple believes that they're married but they don't trust one another. They don't have faith in one another. And it's a very hollow, hollow relationship. See, faith, and I don't think this is too bold to say, I, I think faith has the ability to change lives. Faith, this trust, 
changes our lives. A perfect example of this is what happens in April, May every year, at least for some of you. See, you put faith in the IRS that you're going to get a big refund. You put so much faith in the IRS that you're going to get a big refund that you spend the refund before you even get it in the mail. Don't you? Some of you do. Some of you trust that the IRS is going to take so much from you that you don't spend very much, that you plan that you're going to have to write a big check. Because now that trust that you have in that system, in that process, has led you to make certain decisions about your life and your family to plan accordingly for that time. I had a high school teacher, and some of you are familiar with this. Maybe some of you teachers are, are a part of this program. It kind of varies depending on states and all these things. But, but I had a high school teacher, and his plan for life, at least for the first decade of his life, was based on the fact that if he taught in a certain school district and a certain subject, that over uh, like seven or ten years, I can't remember what it was then, um, but that the federal government would, uh, would pay off or essentially forgive all of his student loans if he would just do this, uh, teach in a certain way in a certain place. And so guess what he did? Do you think he planned accordingly for that? Yeah. Do you think he budgeted for that? Absolutely. Did he dedicate and focus and direct his energy for like seven years of his life towards that goal? You bet. Why? Because he trusted a promise. His life changed because of a promise that was made and the choice he made to trust in that promise. If he didn't trust, he'd still be stuck with a lot of debt, I would assume, still trying to pay it all off. You remember that person who I mentioned earlier who, who you probably told somebody and said, well, well, I believe they're a good person, but I wouldn't put my faith in them, that person? Would your life be better if you could just simply trust that person? Yeah, it would be better. If you just trust that they were actually going to show up, that they were actually going to do what they said they were going to do, that they actually cared for you, that would make your life better, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Because life is better when you can trust. Life is better when you can trust your coworker. Life is better when you can trust your spouse and your spouse says, I'm going here, and you can trust that they're actually going to go there. Life is better when you can trust and you say, you know what, I don't know where my kid is. They were supposed to be home 15 minutes ago, but I'm sure there is a good reason why they're late. Because my child wouldn't break that trust with me. That would be like the perfect life, wouldn't it? You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to be afraid anymore, would you? You wouldn't, you wouldn't even have to be worried. If you could just live a life that was just full of trust, imagine you could just wake up one day, tomorrow morning, imagine just waking up and that you could trust everyone. I could trust that everyone was going to be there. You could have faith that everyone was going to follow through. Would you, would you say your life would be a little bit more peaceful tomorrow? Especially for those of you that are kind of like looking down the face of a lot of work or a big meeting or something going on tomorrow. And you could say, you know what, I just... I just can trust everybody is going to respect me, everybody's going to listen to me, and we're going to work it out, and everything's just going to be good. That would be awesome, right? You could almost describe it as experiencing a, an amazing amount of freedom, having that much trust. That amount of freedom would, would be pretty life-changing, I would think. I want to ask you another question, and 
And I don't want you to put walls up. Just, just kind of hear me out on this if this question makes you uncomfortable. Just genuinely consider, consider, what if you trusted Jesus? I know it's a shocker we're in church and I just brought up Jesus, but, but what, if you, what if you trusted Jesus? This is not a pushy question. This is just a considerate question. What if I trusted what Jesus said? Trusted what Jesus taught? Trusted how Jesus treated other people? I trusted how Jesus behaved? Trusted what Jesus said about me? Trusted what Jesus said about my neighbor? Some of you, if you're really honest, you, you question your worth. Some of you have, have deep is insecurity issues and you question yourself a lot. I mean, you put on a good face, like a really good face, but deep down, just, just not sure you're all there. What if you trusted what Jesus said about you, that you are loved by God, that you are worthy because you are his son or his daughter? You are valuable because of that. Not how much you make, not the title on your desk, not, not your tax refund, not, not what other people say about you, but that and that alone, that is your starting point. That is the foundation of your identity. It comes from what God says about you, what Jesus said about you, not anything else. Do you think that would change something? Just consider. What, what if you worry a lot? What if you have a lot of anxiety? What if you trusted what Jesus said about you, that Jesus is with you, that you're not alone, that you're worthy, that he is present? What if, what if you, you, you have some issues with money, whether you spend too much or you, you know, hoard too much or, or whatever that looks like for you? What if you trusted what Jesus said about money, that it's just a tool, that you don't have to be consumed by that tool? It's just a, a resource. It's a tool in a tool bucket. What if you could experience the joy and the life of life and not be driven entirely by money? What if, what if you struggle to forgive yourself? You can't forgive yourself. I don't even know what that is, but you just know that story and part of you wonders if it's really just your inability to forgive your decisions, your choices, maybe for, for years even. And you would say, I, I'm going to trust what Jesus says about me, that, that I'm forgiven. Would it be easier for you to forgive yourself if God of the universe forgave you? See, this is not magical. This is real. These are real hurts, real needs. What if trusting Jesus is the possible solution for you? Some of you are familiar with this next verse, especially if you grew up in in church, and, and maybe your pastor was an angry pastor, and he'd like yell this verse at you or something, but, but just, just read this verse with me for a second. For it is by grace, Paul is writing the church in Ephesus, just probably like this, it's a small church meeting in some homes, okay, and he writes him a letter, and he says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Translation, for it is by a free gift that you have been saved. Now, this is a Christian code word, okay? One of those Christian code words because Christians go, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you, or, you know, the, the, the angry, uh, you know, corner protesters and like you all got to be saved and all that kind of stuff, okay? Saved 
it's, we think a lot more and Christians talk a lot more in eternity terms. I'm just asking you to consider that this is a relevant term to like right now. That you can be saved from that insecurity that we just talked about through faith right now. That you can be saved from your own doubts and your own wonderings through faith right now. To be saved from your greed by faith right now. And you can walk out this door being exceptionally generous instead. That you, your, your lust problem can be saved by trusting who you are in God and who, who your neighbor is in God because that's what God said. It's not just a belief thing. It's a trust thing. That's the difference. Now I realize uh, we, we actually can kind of maybe sometimes get this far in our processing, but then, then we get hung up by something. And, and so I just want to call out that last little thing that sometimes catches us up, that last problem that kind of keeps us from that trust thing. And I want to do that by, by asking you what, what this picture shows. Okay, so here's the picture. What, what, is, what is this? Okay, it's a pool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have said, like, on today, like today, this is like a miracle of God. You don't even have to believe in God, and this is like today an amazing thing, okay? Um, you should maybe go this afternoon. Um, anywho, but this is a pool, okay? Now, how many of you trust that when you get to the pool, that there are going to be some individuals sitting at designated increments around the edge of the pool watching the pool? You know what those, what those people are called? What are they called? Lifeguards, yeah. Yeah, those, those people. How many of you would say, and you don't have to raise your hand, just internally, but how many of you would say that you trust the lifeguards? Trust the lifeguards. Okay, one of you like really trust, you like didn't even, Brittany was like, I'm not even going to listen to your rules. I'm just going to raise my hand. You trust those lifeguards, okay? How many of you then have ever swam at a pool that doesn't have a lifeguard? Or a lake? Or an ocean? Yeah. Because here's what I think actually happens. You may say in your mind, you know, unless you're a really bad swimmer, then maybe you would think about lifeguards more than others. But if you can just find your way around a pool, okay, or if it's the shallow end, okay, I'm guessing most of you get to a pool and you don't actually sit there and check, oh, are there lifeguards? Are they paying attention? I know they're in high school, but do I trust that one? Do I trust that one? You don't even think about that, do you? You don't, you don't go up and interview them. Excuse me, my kids are about to swim here. Can I interview you to make sure you're actually going to save my kid? You don't do that. You don't think about it, do you? I think you believe that they would save you, but I don't think it's even a matter of trust. You don't even think about that. That's why you swim at hotel pools. That's why you swim at lakes that don't even have a lifeguard. You don't even think about it. Because the inner dialogue in your mind, and sometimes, let's just be honest, your heart is something like this. I can swim just fine. I don't need to trust the lifeguard because I can just swim fine. I have it all under control. And I know what you're going to say, Taylor. Yeah, but well, what if you don't? You know? What, what if you get hurt? What do you say then? What's your internal dialogue then? I can save myself. I can save myself. I'm fine. I'm not going to get hurt that bad. I'm not going to make that big of a mistake. And honestly, most of you, 90% of the time, 95, maybe even 99% of the time, you're absolutely right. You could probably save yourself. 
you are just that amazing a group of people. Kudos to you. Maybe true. Depending on the circumstances, you may be able to save yourself. But this is how we approach God too. This is why we believe and not trust. Because we say, I can save myself. I'm fine. I can figure it out. I can learn. I can improve. I can grow. And that's fantastic. I am so glad that you could. And you can. But I just want to get personal for a second. This is where I really don't want you to tune out, or if you've tuned out, tune back in. When you're tempted to put your walls up and I'm starting to poke at some sensitive parts of your heart, just hear me out and consider. I want to make sure you see this from all angles. Because we're comfortable saying, I can save myself, I'm fine, until certain events start happening in our lives. I can save myself, I'm fine, until I have kids. And then I look at my son, I look at my daughter, and I love them, and I care about them so much, and I want them to have a future, and I want them to make good choices, and I want them to have good values. I want them to be okay. That you get to this point in your life, and you're like, I don't know if I am always going to be there. I don't know if I can always save them. I would feel better if there was a lifeguard at the pool to make sure and to be there to help me. Translation to faith, to trust. I look at my kids and I want the best for them. And I know I'm not always going to be there. And I want them to have good values. And so maybe, just maybe, I'd be willing to trust God with my kids. I'm fine. I'm fine. I will save myself. I will save myself. I'm fine. But, but they sure could use it. And so that's wonderful. And so you come to church and that's great. And so then we have wonderful, awesome kids environments that we create. So your kids love it and they want to be here and they want to go to church. And you just sit there and you're like, oh, it's so amazing. But parents, amazing, save myself parents. Your kids need more than church on Sunday for like an hour. They need someone modeling daily what it looks like to trust God. They need to see a parent who says, you know what? I'm not always going to get it right. But I'm willing to turn to someone who loves me. Just as your kids turn to you to make sure they're loved and to define what love looks like for them in their lives. That you would pull from the one who created love, who, as John said, is love. And essentially model that for your kids. I'm fine. I can save myself until I'm too hurt. Until I'm too hurt. That I don't know where else to go. I have hit rock bottom and I don't know where else to turn. Maybe, maybe at this point, now that I'm at bottom, Maybe I'll pray to God. Maybe I'll think about going to church. Maybe, maybe I'll even look for a church full of imperfect people and outlandish love where I can explore faith and find community that I've been missing for so long. Maybe then I will choose to trust someone other than myself. I can save myself. I'm fine until I realize the fragility of life. Until someone 
very close to me passes away. And I realize, even though I'm really young and healthy and all that, that, that life is not forever. Until I'm older, and now I am confronted with the finite life that I've been given. I'm confronted with my legacy. And now at this point, I may be willing to trust something more than myself. And it humbles you, doesn't it? It, it encourages you to look beyond yourself for something bigger to trust. Because you realize, no, literally, you will not be able to save yourself. That you cannot escape the reality of life, which is also death. I can save myself. I'm fine until or unless my friends have a lifeguard. Then I will too. Because if my friend's doing it, I could probably do it too. If my friend goes to church, maybe I'd be willing to go to church too because they're pretty cool. And if they're cool, maybe their church is cool. And then I can be cool in their cool church with them. And just maybe, while you're walking through that, you think about the trust. The trust that people put into God to even make this church possible. Because I guarantee you, at least for the first couple years of this church, it took a whole lot of trust because literally that's all there was other than a couple of people and a whole lot of trust in God. The church is only four years old. A lot of trust when there's nobody sitting in the seats. You're standing up there looking out like, oh boy. Oh, God, I just trust you. And so maybe, maybe, maybe you'd think about trusting too because then it's not weird. I mean, if my friends do it and you yourself would be willing to trust. Maybe you're here this morning and you're just kind of still stuck back at, I can save myself, I'm fine. And that's okay. I, I don't want you to feel super, super bad. I just want you to consider, okay? I want you to know that God wants you to experience extraordinary faith and trust in all of the, the, the peace and the freedom that comes along with it. The same kind of peace and freedom that comes along if you could imagine walking in to your Monday morning and you could just tr trust everyone. And it would, it would feel really good to trust everyone. That is the kind of feeling you get when you can trust what your Heavenly Father says about you. That you would move from belief, if that's where you are, to trust, to faith, and that it would grow. It wouldn't just stay the same. It would grow. Because the reality about, the reality about um, life is it is either growing or it is dying. There's not much in biology for just staying the same. I don't know if you knew that. There's not really a way for you just to stay the same. Biology either grows or it is in the process of dying. So why not grow? Why not grow in some way? That's why the series is five ways to grow your faith because that's what God wants. That's why we're doing this series is so that you will grow or if you're not a Christian and you're here today that you would at least just consider what that could look like. But here's my encouragement to you. As we jump into the remainder of this series we talk about the five ways to grow your faith that you would just call it for what it is. You would Honestly, look at your heart and say, where am I on this spectrum? And just call it for where it is. Where is my faith? 
Maybe it's way over here and I don't even believe. Maybe it's way over there and I've just sold out Jesus' total faith. But just call it for where it is because if you don't call it for where it is, it is very difficult to grow from there. Because if you, don't, if you call it for somewhere where it is not, you will then only be building onto something that is not there. That's not possible. If you build on a lie, all you build is more lies. If you build on a half-truth, all you build is half-truths. But if you build on where you actually are, say, you know what, I am just doubting all the time. Start there. Because then you can grow. And we are truly a church for imperfect people where you can grow. And I think all of us, deep, deep down, if we're really honest, if we move the anger and the resentment and the pain from past Christians or churches and all that, we just move it to the side, we too would say, you know what, I want to trust. In fact, I kind of would want to trust God. And I'd want to define my identity and my kids' future and the good times as well as the bad by that. And so I want to make sure that you feel invited to the remainder of this series. Imagine, as you leave today, as you jump in the car, maybe even you pray, imagine a life being able to trust. Get that small taste of what it is like to follow God or if you've been following God for a while, maybe you need to remember what it means to trust. And it's always worth trusting because life will be better. Life will be better. Let me pray for you, and we'll get you out of here. Heavenly Father, no matter where we are in our faith this morning, Lord, I first just want to be grateful that we can be here, that we can be authentic, that we can be real with one another, that we can be an imperfect community of people, growing, asking questions, and maybe in that process, seeking you or trusting, more importantly, trusting you. So Lord, my prayer for all of us as we begin this series is that we would be willing and open and at least consider what it would look like to take these steps as we consider next week hearing from God, what that even looks like, hearing from you, Lord. As we consider what it looks like to, to follow your son, what does that even look like? What does that mean, Lord? You would help us to be open, help us to consider, and help us to trust as we go through that journey. Lord, learning to trust is not always easy, especially if trust has been broken especially if other people have, have broken our trust with you. Help us to move that aside and renew our trust. Begin trusting in you. Lord, we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's message. It's a challenge to be honest with ourselves sometimes, but determining where we are in our faith, whether we have none or whether we've been following Jesus for many years, we have to determine where we are and be honest about it because that creates the starting point for us to grow from. And when we determine where we are, we can determine how we can better entrust in God in different areas of our lives and grow. And it will help you as we continue this series, Five Ways to Grow Your Faith, starting next week. So we hope you'll join us again.